From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We don't often get to break news here on The Reckoning, but I've got breaking news straight from Washington, D.C. Mitch McConnell is going all out and apparently doing everything he possibly can to hold Hunter Biden accountable. He's even donned a dress and put on heavy makeup in the plan. The plan is that if Hunter thinks that Mitch is a prostitute, Mitch is going to be able to lure Hunter in to the chamber and get private testimony. Just kidding. Mitch McConnell doesn't want to hold Hunter Biden accountable. Are you kidding me? Come on! The whole point of being a Republican in Washington is to let Democrats get away with murder. Don't you know that by now? Look at the trail of bodies behind the Clintons and the Obamas. Nobody's ever held accountable for anything. Holding Hunter Biden accountable. Come on. Especially by Mitch McConnell. Has there ever been a bigger sellout in the history of the Republican Party than Mitch McConnell? I will give him this. I will always give Mitch credit for keeping our deformed, morally deficient, and morally deformed Attorney General Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court. At least Mitch did that for us. But anything else? Come on. 147 Republicans in the House, or should I properly call them Republicucks, voted to extend the unconstitutional FISA Act until next August. Again, kick the can down the road. Go ahead, pass it. Well, what else was in this NDAA that they rammed through yesterday? National Defense Authorization Act. And you see, this is an essential piece of legislation. And what's an essential piece of legislation? An essential piece of legislation is one that has to be passed if there's going to be a government function. And in this case, it's the military. Under the Constitution, we can only fund the military for two-year increments. So every two years, we've got to pass an NDAA. And every two years, the Democrats load it up and they let the Republicans load it up, too, because remember, even if the Republicans are in charge, the Democrats run things. Even when Republicans are in minority, the majority, they're not in charge. When, when the Republicans are in the minority, the Democrats set the agenda. And when the Republicans are in the majority, the Democrats set the agenda. That's the way it's always been, except for you know Mitt, uh, Newt Gingrich's contract with America when we flipped the Congress for the first time in my lifetime in 1994, flipped it from red to blue with Republicans taking over. So 147, that's 147 Republicans that we need to get rid of. Just done. I'm sorry. You keep passing these things. You have no moral authority on our vote. They have to learn. Just like the Democrats have to learn that they can't take the black and Hispanic vote for granted, and that if they implement policies that undermine the interests of black and Hispanic Americans, they're no longer going to vote Democrat. Republicans need to do the same thing. Now, in the primaries, we can never vote for a Democrat because that would be crazy on steroids. 
you know, continuing to vote for Republicans, you know, rhinos, the GOPE Republicans in primaries is crazy, but voting for a Democrat in the general election is crazy on steroids. But in order for us to replace these 147, we have to have good, rock solid, conservative patriots willing to step up and run for Congress. Let's get going. There has to be 147 patriotic Americans with the skill set, meaning the intelligence, number one, the public speaking skills, number two, the connections, number three, because you have to have a great network in order to run for office because you need a lot of help. You need staffers, you need office space, and you need moolah. Like it or not, you need money. Those campaign flyers don't mail themselves out. That office space doesn't magically appear. So even though you can have great volunteers, you still need some money to run the operation. You don't need as much money as these incumbents rake in, but you see, that's the game. They rake in the money and they keep it in their campaign account for their next election where sometimes they're not even facing a challenger and they still rake in hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, because then they get to play Santa. Because under the FEC rules, if it's in your federal campaign account, it can only be used either for your campaign for federal office, or you can dole it out to other candidates for federal office. And that is how we get people like Mitch McConnell staying in power, even though they almost always vote against the interests of the American people, because Mitch has the biggest war chest in DC and he plays Santa every election cycle. And so the Republicans in the Senate, a lot of them, way too many of them are dependent on Santa Mitch. We got to change this system. I'm not quite sure how best to do it, but I do know that it needs to be done. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all the major social platforms, including Facebook, X, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's news talk, TNT Radio. Talk that matters. For once, we just need to do what's best for the same country and not what's best for the world. Today's news talk radio, TNT. If you're a dyed-in-the-wool, far-left, demon-rat politician, always remember that when you do something offensive, it is imperative to double down, which is exactly what racist Boston Mayor Michelle Wu did when she showed up on Wednesday to the controversial Electeds of Color holiday party for non-white officials in a city-owned building, and she defended the segregated festivities. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Timothy. Uh, yeah, Boston's Democratic Mayor Michelle Wu has come under fire for accidentally, it was an accident, mind you, sending an invitation for a segregated holiday party to all city council members rather than just the non-white officials that it was intended for. Um, and uh, yeah, she's uh, a lot of people said, hey, that's probably not a good idea, but doesn't stop her from showing up. Not at all. She did show up yesterday. Um, here's what she said outside the city's Parkman house, according to the Daily Mail. Quote, I can understand someone might be confused or worried if certain people weren't being invited at all or were being left out of any type of celebration. 
But I assure you, everyone on the Boston City Council has got an invitation to multiple types of events and holiday parties, end quote. Huh? So the party broadly came to light earlier uh, Wednesday after an official in Wu's office mistakenly sent invitations to the party meant to be sent, intended only for the non-white officials, uh, but instead sent it to the entire city council, a number of whom happened to be white. Denise Dos Santos, Dos Das Satnos, sorry, uh, that is the director of city council relations in the mayor's administration, sent the errant email and then followed up with an apology 15 minutes later, as reported by WFXT-TV. Um, here's what she said, quote, I did send that to everyone by accident. I apologize if my email may have offended or came across as so. Sorry for any confusion this may have caused, end quote. The Daily Mail, citing the Boston Herald, said seven white council members ultimately were not invited to the party and six people of color were invited. White council member Frank Baker told WHDH-TV he sees the non-white gathering as, quote, divisive, divisive, but what are you going to do about it? You don't want me at a party. I'm not going to come to a party, end quote. Uh, Wu and Russell Holmes, a Massachusetts state representative, said outside the event that there are many examples of groups based on race, such as the Congressional Black Caucus in Washington, D.C. That's what was reported by the Daily Mail. Uh, earlier in the day, Wu noted that the quote-unquote electeds of color group, quote, has been in place for many, many years. We celebrate all kinds of connection and identity and culture and heritage in the city. Just yesterday, we hosted our official city hall Hanukkah lighting. We have had tree lightings and we want to be a city where everyone's identity is embraced and that there are spaces and communities we can help support, end quote. Again, that's from the Daily Mail report. Michael McCormick, an attorney and former five-term Boston City Council, told the Daily Mail that Wu hosting an exclusive party is not typical of her office and said former mayors Tom Menino and Ray Flynn would have invited the entire city council. McCormick adds, quote, the problem is that Boston and race, unfortunately, are synonymous. I'm just hoping it was a mistake. It's not something that anyone in the mayor's office should be proud of, end quote. According to Black City Council member Brian Worrell, quote, we make space and spaces for all kinds of specific groups in the city and city government. This is no different, and the elected officials of color has been around for more than a decade, end quote. Um, I think that was coming from the Boston Herald. Uh, Councillor Tanya Fernandez-Anderson said there are, quote, no need for apologies at all, end quote, regarding the party, uh, according to the Daily Mail. Uh, furthermore, quote, just like there are groups that meet based on shared interests or cultural backgrounds, it's completely natural for elected officials of color to gather for a holiday celebration, end quote. Yeah, so there we go. But I don't know, Timothy, how do you feel about segregating anything, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, when it's related to politics, you know, and this did take place on city property, uh, city owned building, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Parkman House is owned by the city. There's so much to unpack here. First of all, I lived in Boston for the better part of two decades and was very active politically there. I knew Mumbles Menino and his beautiful wife, Angela. And it, this never would have happened under Mayor Menino. It wouldn't have happened under Ray Flynn either. 
And, you know, for all his faults, Ray wasn't going to do this, right? Note that the apology wasn't for having a segregated Christmas party. Oh, excuse me, holiday party. But that the email was sent out to the Y people. We're sorry, Y people. You weren't supposed to know that we were meeting behind your backs. Let's rewind. I thought that the Supreme Court outlawed separate but equal. You couldn't say, well, coloreds have water fountains just because they can't use the white water fountains. So what? They got colored water fountains they can use. Water fountain's a water fountain, right? And so what if they can't go to the white schools? There's colored schools. and A school's a school, right? I thought we did away with that in the 1940s, 1950s. Reverse racism is racism. And Michelle Wu isn't just a racist. She's a flat-out communist, right? She flew the Chinese flag in superior position to the American flag at City Hall. And there are, there are two buildings in America I would love to see demolished. And ironically, they're both in the same architectural style. They were both designed by I.M. Pei, and who also designed the Everson Museum of Art here in Syracuse, the style is called brutalism. And what they do is they use poured concrete and plywood molds for the concrete so that the grain of the plywood will imprint itself into the concrete to give it sort of a pattern. But if you look up brutalism, it is basically Soviet-style architecture. And they built Boston City Hall in the brutalist style because I think there were only two doors, maybe three doors on the first level off of the, the windswept brick plaza. You've got acres and acres of brick because they were worried about the rioting that could happen with their busing scheme. Busing is important here, okay? Boston City Hall is so dank that literally in the middle of the summertime, People in offices there have to use space heaters because that concrete just holds the moisture and it's dank and damp even in the middle of summer at high noon. So why, does, why do I mention the busing crisis? Because this is all part of the same thing. This is elites playing chess with the people. They think that they're better than the citizens of Boston. Well, we're so much smarter. We're in office. Therefore, we get to do whatever we want, social engineering, et cetera. J. Anthony Lucas, may he rest in peace, wrote a Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, a nonfiction book entitled Common Ground, and it was brilliantly conceived. He followed three families, an Irish Catholic family in Charleston, Massachusetts, a black family from the South End, and a wasp family that lived in or from south boston rather and a black family or a, a wasp family that lived in a gentrifying area town and and the wasp had come over on the mayflower his family traced back to the mayflower and he worked for kevin white working alongside barney frank and the black family had come here as slaves originally and the irish had come here from the potato famine so we traced the three families all the way back from their origins in America up to modern day. And what the book is about is that busing wasn't about race. Were there racists in Boston? Absolutely. Was the busing program about race? No. 
It was about rich people telling poor people where they could go to school. Can't go to your neighborhood school. You got to get on a bus two hours early and go across town where they don't want you to go to school. And that went for the blacks and the whites. The Irish kids were no more welcome at the black school than the black kids were at the white school. And racism certainly played a part, but mostly it was the government telling parents, no, you can't send your child to the school in your neighborhood. You have to do what we want. And that's the mentality that has continued to this day in Boston and in Democrat cities around the country. And if you want to see how successful that is, Adam, I would simply say the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Look at these cities. They're absolute hellholes. Yeah, I've heard you discuss the brutalist architecture before, and I looked it up and you're you're right. I was like, wow, that's uh, what kind of message does that that? I mean, wow. Yeah, I guess it's a favorite among commies, uh, Timothy. Yeah, by the absolutely. way, remember, remember what I said uh, in the, the opening there, we were kind of alluding to the doubling down thing as being a, a trait of these type of people. I wasn't kidding. Um, remember that one lady I was reporting on, Counselor Tanya Fernandez Anderson, who describes herself as an African immigrant and Muslim African woman, the one who said there was no need to apologize at all. Uh, not right. only that, she she told the Wu administration, she says the Wu administration's effort to organize a holiday celebration specific to elected officials of color is, quote, commendable, end quote. Ridiculous. Yeah, don't, don't you just love it when the chai comes and the bullwinkles get together to to run everything? It, Boston is, is not in for good times unless they change their voting patterns. Thanks for a great story, Adam. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there. And Biden was behind it, pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went. I bet you more than 50 percent didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in, in uh, Palestine. Uh, with the U.S. since since well, under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down. Thank God. But under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world these people are, have been after israel forever and and uh, supported by iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them not uh, you know basically uh create chaos in the middle east terrorism and and we saw what happened earlier this year about a month ago uh, the two one attack in israel and the death and destruction rape and kidnapping more than 240 people kidnapped joe hoft on today's news talk radio tnt God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government that stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. 
the hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Adam, we've often talked about DEI. I've mentioned that when I first saw it, it I, I didn't hear about it. I read about it first. And when I saw it in print, diversity, equity, inclusion, parens, DEI, being Roman Catholic, the first thing I recognize is is DEI is Dei in Latin, it's God. And what this is, is truly a false religion. At least we have one governor standing up and saying no. Kevin Stitt in Oklahoma signed an executive order today ordering all of his executive departments to desist from supporting DEI in any respect. You cannot give grant monies to organizations that require DEI statements. You Employers cannot ask uh, diversity questions uh, in consideration of employment. No state of Oklahoma funds can be used. Uh, this is predominantly aimed at Oklahoma State University and the University of Oklahoma. Uh, they can't have any facilities, any faculty, any staff, no DEI. There's going to be no expenditures using Oklahoma taxpayer money for diversity, equity, inclusion in Oklahoma. And we have a lot of problems with Kevin Stitt, but on this one, he stood tall, and so I wanted to, to give him praise for that because we will always uh, give praise where praise is due. Well, I'm sure that the uh, the folks on the other side of the political spectrum and in the media are screaming to high heavens uh, how this is causing deep concern, I'm sure, right? Uh, I mean, because he did it it's by executive order. It's problematic. It's very troubling. This, this yeah, racist they, they, executive order. Yeah. Yeah, they never they don't like executive orders if they're not signed by Biden. Am I right? Or or, or on, Obama. on the first day in office. Yeah. 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 And or in. Well, that's why that's office. why. Yeah, it's 2017, January 2017. Actually, after the election, I started on on then Twitter imploring. President-elect Donald Trump. On Inauguration Day, raise your hand, take the oath of office and turn sign executive orders undoing every single thing Obama did, then turn to the lectern and tell the world what you had just done. 
He didn't. He played nice. And look what happens. No good deed goes yeah. unpunished. Did you catch the, the latest news in the DEI department, by the way? I don't think. Uh, which is? The Facebook lady. Did you see this? She's a former no, diversity manager. Oh, this is great. She's a former diversity manager oh, at Facebook. Yes, yes, I did see this. Yeah. And she uh, she just pleaded guilty to stealing, stealing more than $4 million from the company. Right. Uh, the Justice Department called this an elaborate criminal scheme uh, involving kickbacks. I reported about it earlier, so I, I remember bits and pieces of it. But she was setting up her friends and her family with contracts, creating fake invoices for fake companies. Um, all in the name of like, she's, oh, we're forwarding, you know, we're doing the, the mission, you know, the DEI gods work here, you know, but she wasn't, she was just hooking her friends up and then she would get like a little kickback in the form of cash and stuff. Uh, sure. so she got busted, she pleaded guilty and I'm just like thinking this is the type of uh, the, the, um, what's it called when like, there's many cabinets inside the government, but corporations have oh, the Maritrushka's doll, the Maritrushka yeah, dolls, okay, the yeah. Russian nesting dolls. Yeah. So now we've got these little people, these people who have been hired in all these companies uh, all over the place since this obsessive push for the DEI crap, um, thanks to our government, unfortunately, pushing this forward. Well, not our government, but the Biden administration. Uh, they throw money out there like it's candy and make people think this is what we want to do with our society. And people get hired in these new positions. And then it's just like this this giant vacuum of waste and fraud and abuse well, sure. and corruption. It's crazy. And I'm like. You would think that these people like know that the world is watching them and that, you know, to, to further their cause, don't you think these would be like the most angelic good people ever? But no, nobody vets anybody. Nobody cares. Look what happened with the BLM thing and how easily and quickly right. that got corrupted and co-opted. Yeah, it's, it's just so sad. Yeah. Yeah. How many mansions and did she buy with people's money? I think four. You know what amazed me about this story and another story I'll relate in a moment is that she was actually sentenced. She was actually prosecuted and sentenced instead of them just brushing it under, the, which tells me, right, that she was one of the sacrificial lambs. Okay, just like they did in New York State. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna prosecute this low-level Democrat operative for cheating in a non-election year uh, runoff, you know, a non-presidential non election year local election so you know we're gonna we're gonna get her for uh election interference but but it never happens during a presidential election oh no and then they could say oh, of course we take election integrity seriously see we we, we sent so-and-so to jail well obama's biggest bundler just pled guilty for embezzling four hundred thousand dollars or four or six hundred thousand dollars from the nonprofit, yeah, it was $600,000 because he, he made a $400,000 a year salary. Because remember, nonprofit doesn't mean that you can't make a salary. So the guy's making $400,000 a year. And he still used the nonprofit funds, which ultimately, because they're tax exempt, ultimately it's taxpayer money to pay for a $6,000 dinner in New York City, to pay for a private tutor for his children, on and on and on, tail it up to about $600,000. He just pled guilty. So it amazes me when it doesn't really matter and where it's just nibbling around the margins. And I don't mean to make $600,000 like, sound like chump change, and, and $4 million certainly isn't chump change. But in the bigger scheme of things, 
When you have people stealing trillions with a T from the public treasury, what's $4 million? What's $600,000? But they, they regularly will, you know, per periodically, I should say, every, every now and again, they'll hold one of these low-level people accountable. So then when you call them out on their corruption, they can say, oh, no, we're not corrupt. See? Well, to be fair and accurate, uh, this lady, Miss um, Furlow Smiles, uh, she's not scheduled for sentencing until March of 2024. So she could still slip through the cracks, Timothy. But you know, yeah, to your point. Well, she could, but there. that's yeah. that's typical, though, to have sentencing months down the road. That's typical. Uh, they give they give people time to get their affairs in order. Anyway, and you'll it's notice just, it's. I was going to say you'll notice too that all of these people they spend it on this ridiculous lavish uh, lavish luxury lifestyle crap you know like yeah. Patrice colors with the the houses this lady she was doing the same thing buying fancy clothes and stuff like that but like when's the last time you ever heard somebody committing a crime stealing embezzling taking money and then doing good with it like giving it to the poor like a robin hood character and these right. are the people who you would think these are the social justice warriors who are trying to make a change in society but they steal the money and just like buy a fur coat and a sports car i mean come on of course, I mean, because that's what that's what communism's all about. Some animals are more equal than others. Thanks for a great story, Adam. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. This news just in TNT Radio News. Ready? Go, 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 go. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban has reaffirmed his stance that Ukraine does not currently meet the European Union's criteria for accession. Japan, Britain, and Italy have formalized an agreement to collaborate on developing a new advanced jet fighter, marking a significant step in their joint efforts to bolster defense capabilities amid escalating threats from China, Russia, and North Korea. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's public approval ratings have significantly declined, reaching the lowest point since he assumed office at Downing Street last year. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back. There's an awful lot to talk about today, but what's upsetting me most is this NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. For those that aren't aware, as I said earlier, every two years we have to pass one of these. So they, they use it as the omnibus bill almost, and they load everything up. Democrats load it up. Republicans are allowed to load it up a little bit. Even when Republicans are in charge, the Democrats are the ones doing most of the loading up. And they do things like putting in the smith Munt Modernization Act of 2012, which didn't modernize the smith Munt Act. It repealed it. And what was the smith Munt Act? In 1952, Congress passed the smith Munt Act, which prohibited the federal government from propagandizing American citizens on American soil. So you could have Voice of America broadcast down into South America. You could have Radio for Europe broadcasting into Eastern Europe behind the Iron Curtain in an effort to shape opinion and get people to look more favorably on the United States of America in the West in general. But you couldn't do it here in the United States. Well, the communists in the Obama administration didn't like that. So they came up with the smith munt Modernization Act. And of course, they never tell you the truth, right? Everything is either a lie or based on a lie. 
And it can be a lie of omission, it can be a half-truth, or it can be a flat-out lie. And calling it the Modernization Act, yeah, I'm going to modernize it. That's like, that's like calling a divorce the marital couple modernization effort. No, you're divorcing your spouse. You're not modernizing them. You're, you're getting rid of them. And so that's what the Smith Modernization Act did. And they tucked it into the 2013 NDAA, which was passed in the, literally in the middle of the night in late December 2012. Fast forward four years, they did the same thing in 2016. The 2017 NDAA, they inserted the Global Engagement Center, which would fall under the Secretary of State's purview in the Department of State. And what the Global Engagement Center was, was this high-minded effort that we're going to get on social media and we're going to engage with potential young terrorists that we're seeing all sorts of uh, terrorist-sponsoring messages on social media, you know, trying to get them to be martyrs, extolling martyrdom, etc. And we're going to engage and show them why martyrdom isn't a good idea. So we're going to combat terrorism this way. Sounds great, right? That's not what they did with it. I mean, they might have a little bit, but mostly they've been propagandizing us on social media. And remember, social media itself is a government propaganda effort. Facebook literally came out of InQtel, which is the CIA's venture capital arm, right? InQtel exists so that the CIA and our other intelligence agencies can have the latest and greatest technology for information gathering, analysis, et cetera. The program was called LifeLog, and it literally ended the day that Facebook was formed as a corporation. Because, remember, Smith-Mont was still in effect, so you couldn't propagandize on American soil, so what do you do? If, and if you can't spy on American citizens, what do you do? You get them to spy on themselves. All those little questionnaires, only people with an IQ of 160 can answer these questions. Well, those questions are all designed to create a profile of you and all those little things you know on facebook you can put what your favorite movies are what your favorite books are what your favorite musical artists and songs are those are all intelligence gathering they they collect all these data points and they build a profile of you they've done it to all of us that's what the server farms out in the far west are all about right? Acres and acres and acres and acres and acres of buildings, all filled with hundreds of thousands and millions of servers. NSA records every phone call, every text message, every everything. That's why, you know, we, we frequently talk to the NSA when we're on the telephone. I did it just today. And it's, we're joking, but we're not. It's like nervous laughter. So, and again, I'm not angry at the Democrats. I actually admire them, right? Because Democrats do whatever the hell they want and they don't fear any consequences because there never are any consequences for them. And, and you got to give them begrudging admiration for that. Republicans are the timid little mice that fear fear what's going to, what, what Sean Hannity's going to say or what so-and-so's what, what going to say or, or fearing not being invited to the right cocktail party or fearing offending their donors or Republicans are operating out of a fear, uh, out of a, a, a base of fear and Democrats are operating fearlessly 
from a base of we're we are fresh out of cares to give and uh we're gonna do whatever we want go ahead stop us you know it's like what bill belichick said when people were complaining about the new england patriots running up the score in football games he said not against the rules to play defense and that's the republic that's the attitude republicans need to adopt because that's the attitude the democrats have Democrats are going to keep doing what Democrats do until Republicans stop them. So it's incumbent on the Republicans to stop them. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Apparently the climate cabal is freaking out. From Al Gore to John Kerry and down to the oddest imported student radical, they're freaking out over the final text as the climate talks in Dubai near their conclusion. At issue is whether the outcome will call for the phase out of fossil fuels or merely call for fossil fuel reduction and similar, as they put it, weasel words. Either term will leave nations with tons of wiggle room to avoid or delay destroying their economies through energy starvation. And that's the big question. Do you want to starve because you have no energy? Or do you want to continue to eat because you do have energy? Hmm, that is an interesting question. I wonder which one I would choose. As veterans of the UN climate process since the whole shebang began, taking a look at this, we've seen this play out before. No matter what happens, the conference officials will emerge bleary-eyed and proclaim a major victory, leaving it up to the rest of us to sort through what happened and figure it out. Often, as is likely this time, the conference ends in de facto collapse. In fact, Al Gore, that's right, the high priest, said that the conference is on the verge of complete failure because he wants fossil fuels phased out completely. <sighs> I wish Al Gore the best. I hope him a long life, but I wish his presence on the world stage would be phased out. If they could actually agree on that, then it would be a success. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather, even if you're not in Dubai. It's the only weather you My got. My dad was a farmer. The guy was bigger than life. He wasn't someone that liked to show his emotion or liked to show when he was struggling. But we all struggle. I want to show emotion to my kids. It's something that brings me so much joy. And I want them to see me working through things. Allow your kids to know that it's okay to struggle. That even dad doesn't know the answer sometimes, but we're going to figure it out together. You're listening to The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Dr. James Thorpe is the Chief of Maternal and Prenatal Health at The Wellness Company. He's an obstetrician, gynecologist, and maternal fetal medicine specialist. He received his medical degree from Wayne State University School of Medicine and has been in practice for more than 40 years. I'd like to welcome to The Reckoning for the first time, Dr. James Thorpe. Timothy, thank you so much for having me on your platform, The Reckoning. Oh, it's my pleasure. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about briefly was the impact that we're seeing the mRNA gene therapy injections having not only on maternal health, but on fetal health. Yes, um, I, I have all that data. I have uh, um, all the data from the government, from my own clinical um, publications and, and also my extensive clinical experience. Um, where, where would you like me to start? 
Well, just just give a brief overview because I want to talk about uh, how it ties into this latest Chinese virus that we're hearing reported. Okay, yeah, I think that that clearly the effects on pregnancy are demonstrated, uh, documented, and and they're now proven through multiple different avenues and different areas of the world. Um, let's start off with Pfizer's own data, Pfizer 5.3.6, which was available, as you know, it was is a legally mandated regulation that any medical device or drug, be it a vaccine or what have you, uh, requires a mandatory 90-day post-marketing uh, documentation of adverse events. So that was available to the world on February 28th, 2021. And what that demonstrated on page seven of that document, and by the way, anybody can pull that up. You can pull it up right now by Pfizer 5.3.6, uh, P as in Peter, H as in Harry, M as in Mary, P as in Peter, T as in Tom, PHMPT, bring you right up to the document. That was available uh, to the CDC, the FDA, and the uh, uh, obviously Pfizer had that available to them. That was the deadliest drug that was ever rolled out in the history of medicine. So, so there were 42,008 injuries in just 10 weeks. And also in just that 10 weeks, there were 1,223 died. And most of those died uh, within a week of the vaccine. So it's uh, very concerning. On page 12 of that document is um, damning obstetrical outcome data. Um, what what they showed there was, was actually, uh, they weren't supposed to be enrolling uh, pregnant women, but there were 274 fetuses of 270 pregnant women, and their results were quite catastrophic. It was very poorly done. But what basically, what they demonstrated was that there was a 81% miscarriage rate. There was a five-fold increase in fetal deaths and nearly an eight-fold increase in neonatal deaths. Um, and unfortunately, they chose to, uh, allegedly, they didn't follow up 238 of the 270 pregnancies, uh, or they didn't report that to us. So it was damning data. Um, so, so that's for starters. The, the government, by the way, that data was available. It was leaked by a whistleblower to the entire world. It was available to anybody that wanted to see it, anybody that had eyes to see and had the motivation to do their own due diligence. But instead of making that transparent to the entire world, the United States government and Pfizer decided to bury it and try to hide it for 75 years. Um, they certainly did that, try to do that to no avail, luckily. And as shocking as all that is, those data are not surprising. Because in Pfizer's own experimental protocol, because every place that was giving jabs was an a, a site for the experiment, it said if a pregnant woman comes in contact with anyone who comes in contact with anyone who's taking this experimental injection. So the scenario would be pregnant wife at home, husband goes to work, husband yeah. plays basketball with a guy that, that got the jab. 
Pfizer safety needed to be informed within 24 hours. And yet six months later, if they're so worried about it contaminating or possibly impacting pregnancy, six months later, they're saying it's okay not only for pregnant women, but for neonates, recently born babies, and even in utero. It's, uh, Timothy, you're spot on. You have a, a very accurate, in-depth knowledge of what's going on here obstetrically. Um, I'm impressed. You're absolutely right. But it, it got even more egregious than that. Not only did the United States government try to hide it, and by the way, it was available to everybody in the world. It was leaked by a whistleblower. Um, of course, the federal judge mandated, and ironically, it was disclosed and dropped to the public in a tranche of all days. April Fool's Day, April Fool's Day, 2022. Yeah, when that came uh, but, out, we thought they were just punking us at that point. Yeah, it, it, it's it's horribly offensive. The most egregious thing here is they not only did they try to bury it, they turned around knowing how lethal it was for the general public and for the most vulnerable population, pregnant women. And they launched literally $5 trillion has been spent by the U.S. government. I'm not making that money, up, that number up. Yeah. Look at it. It's all over the Internet. A uh, massive amount went to a program called CCC. This is the HHS uh, Deputy Secretary Mark Weber's uh, dream baby. HHS uh, started this COVID-19 community core and took 300, about 300 major influencers in the United States of America across every thread of the social fabric of this country um, and uh, blasted out uh, blatantly false information suggesting that it was not only safe and effective in pregnancy, but necessary, necessary. And they lied and gave uh, scared pregnant women. Um, and they also thereafter captured the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Uh, my wife and I proved that. We were the first ones to break that. My wife is a uh, incredible attorney, Maggie M. Thorpe, JD. She's also got a divinity degree from Duke University. Um, we launched this FOIA request. We got 1,400 pages, uh, of which half were redacted, that proved that the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists signed a underhanded, illegal, unethical, immoral blood money contract with HHS in early 2021. Um, and in uh, millions of dollars, they pocketed the dirty blood money. And for that, they captured 61,000 OBGYNs, all the OBGYNs in North America and, and some in South America, 61,000. And that's why you have very, very few whistleblowers, uh, such as myself, there's a few others, uh, of oh. those 61,000. That's why we love the wellness company. Your your colleagues, William Makis and Peter McCullough had the same thing with their respective uh, board certifications. And, you know, people are so jaded now. I can't tell you how many text messages, uh, comments on X, et cetera, emails I've gotten from, from friends and, and followers 
saying, well, we've got another election coming up, so cue the virus right on time. Tell us about this virus out of Japan. I've, I've heard some interesting things about the white lung virus that maybe it's not a virus, maybe it's mycoplasma. Well, I, everybody has their own spin on it. Um, I think it's multifactorial, it's confounding. Uh, let's let's start out by saying that that um, it I they mycoplasma is is a is a bacteria. Um, some people are suggesting that's mycoplasma, but it, at the end of the day, um, what what it really means here is Timothy. The thirteen billion plus shots were administered globally to five point three billion people. And I think there's ample evidence, and I have the evidence in smoking gun in pregnancy. I have this evidence in pregnant women that it causes a vaccine-induced acquired immune deficiency syndrome. So what we're seeing globally around the world now is an explosion of all kinds of chronic diseases because we've destroyed the immune system of humanity. The global immune system, the herd immune system, if you will, I'll use that in quotes, has been severely damaged. Um, is it irreparably damaged forever? Possibly. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows that. But I can tell you that I have verifiable data um, that I'm convinced is accurate um, from large databases in the United States of America that show an 80% increase in pregnancy infections in the two years uh, 2021 and 2022, and when you compare that to the five prior years, 57 ICD-10, International Classification of Disease uh, Version 10 codes, including parasitic infections, bacterial infections, viral infections, uh, STIs, all of them were up 80%. It's a very, very um, worrisome plot of data. And and that comes from, that's just one database, which is very, very large. And, and I believe the DMED that's database? what I've seen. Is that the DMED database from the Department of Defense? That is not a DMED database. This is not okay, well, those, those data. Yeah, those data are mirrored and supported by what they saw in the DMED database, which similarly, there was a, a whistleblower, Teresa Long. I'm, had exposed I'm very that. familiar with DEMA yeah. database. I know uh, Dr. Teresa Long, who is a dear friend of mine, a whistleblower, Stuart Tankersley. I, I know uh, I know the rest of the military whistleblowers. I'm a, a disabled veteran. I'm former military, so I'm very well connected to the military. I know that that's the most accurate database in the entire world. And, right. um, you know, Tom- So now Renz, we have two you know, major databases showing the same data. So th this is real. This isn't something, this isn't subject to interpretation. This isn't, oh, well, the uh, investigational protocol was, was suspect in this regard or that regard or the other regard. These are two main databases, and they're both showing- significant 80%, as you said, elevations in these various uh, sequelae. That's exactly right, Timothy, you're, you're spot on. And um, th there's, there is no debate anymore. It's just a chronic, uh, a massive amount. Part of that $5 trillion, remember, um, the medical journals were already corrupted. They've been known to be corrupted for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, as evidenced by former 
editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine, Dr. Marsha Angle. And now, mm-hmm. same, you know, the BMJ, there's a few honest, honest um, administrators there. They've come out and, and all but uh, suggested that in the British Medical Journal. And, and then the same is true for the Lancet. The Lancet is totally corrupt. But if you take the two most inf- allegedly the most respected influential medical journals in the entire world, they're responsible together for maybe killing, we're talking about 700 million, killing and injuring 700 million people globally, 700 million people globally by those two fraudulent articles were either killed or injured. Right, because look at all the media outlets that cited those, all the the, the non-scientific uh, media outlets that cited those two articles saying, see, this is real. This is why it's necessary in you know New York Times, Washington Post, Yahoo, all the online, uh, Facebook, et cetera, relied on those two articles to push this narrative. Dr. Thorpe, one of my themes is that they always tell us what they're doing, right? Uh, Lou Reed's Take a Walk in the Wild Side and The Kinks Lola came out in the late 60s talking about mm-hmm. Uh, transvestites. You had the Rocky Horror Picture Show in the mid-70s. You had Mrs. Doubtfire. And they they tried to normalize transsexuality and transvestism long before it became a thing. And then all of a sudden they decided, well, now is the time. And it's been normalized enough, so now it can become a thing. Well, they, they keep doing this. There's issue after issue. And one of the largest uh, media properties in the entire world is the Marvel Comics universe. Cinematic Universe, the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they had a whole storyline that came out of Marvel Comics with this character called Thanos, who was trying to acquire these five stones that had certain properties. And once he got all five, he could do what he wanted to do. And what he wanted to do, of course, Thanos is referencing Thanatos, the Greek god of death. He wanted to wipe out half the Earth's population to restore balance in the universe. Not just get rid of all the evil people and, and save the good people to bring good and evil into balance, but to, to wipe out half the human population, to bring the universe back into balance. And at the same time, we've got other people saying that human beings are a virus on the planet, that we're infecting the planet, that we're killing Mother Earth and all this climate change and, and the environmental nonsense. They're, this is their plan. They want to kill half of us. And they're telling us through these movies and through these media properties exactly what they want for us. Well, Timothy, you're you're absolutely right. But but we've, we've got to leave being, it there. I want to thank you, folks. Go to twc.health and learn more. Dr. Thorpe, I'd love to have you back. That's it for the reckoning tonight. Stay tuned for the Havorier Moritz show. I'm Timothy Shea. Until next time, God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight.